Hello and welcome back to The Crow and the Raven, a weekly podcast featuring two friends discussing various topics. Our last up ep- our previous episodes are uh, available on anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Prime Music, Google Podcasts, Spot Podvine and Spotify. And Spotvine. <laughs> yes, yeah, Spitvine Spotify. We will be recording a new episode live every Tuesday night at 9 p.m. Eastern with the episode going up on all the podcatchers Wednesday morning at 2 a.m. Eastern. We do have audience appreciation set up through Stripe on Anchor.fm if you'd like to support the podcast. Questions can be posted on our Spotify page for the podcast as well as on our Discord server. We'll do our very best to answer them towards the end of each podcast, so make sure you post those questions. And if you take a look at our last episode, episode 9, You'll find a poll and some other cool information on the Spotify page for you to interact with as well. And for our new audience members, I'm your resident crow, Isaiah. And I'm your resident raven, Charles. Today, I don't even know what we're actually calling this episode. We're going to be discussing cursed or haunted locations. Cursed? Cursed locations? Cursed, yeah. Cursed. Cursed locations. And tentatively, it's called episode 10, Cursed Locales, but we usually come up with like better ones than that, and I'm kind of struggling to come up with one. But the the key thing I wanted to do with this one, it's our first spooky season episode, so really wanted to get into the vibe of October and with the veil being veil between wor- worlds being a, a bit thinner right now and kind of really delve into the spooky stuff this month, um, just getting into the vibe of it. But with this one, I wanted to really focus on places that are actually considered cursed, not just haunted. So you can have a haunted house and there's no real curse. It's like somebody died there or has unfinished business, right? But a curse is something that's actually placed on the land or through massive amounts of uh, energy passing through that location good, bad, or otherwise, usually bad, over and over and over again, that land gets a stain. And those places kind of stand out to me as uh, when I hear the term curse locations, that's that's where my brain goes. Um, whereas a haunting or poltergeist, all of those kinds of things uh, can be isolated and more easily identified. And actually, while I was doing research for this episode, a lot of the times when you're going to look up cursed locations, people are just posting, oh, here's a haunted house. That's not the same as a whole out curse. Yeah, it kind of took some uh, looking around and I even almost cons- reconsidered uh, my locale, uh, something that I probably shouldn't do. But as I went further in, it kind of seems as what you said, <clears throat> there's a lot of energies and all that kind of shit going on with it. So. Yeah, and, and my first one, it's it's kind of a a, a grayer area mm-hmm. between the two, but I feel that primarily based on the legend and part of that legend almost seemingly coming true and the amount of energies that have been pulled into it. Ooh. It kind of, to me, it fits the idea of a cursed location, but we're going to jump right into it. And my first one is going to be Oak Island. I've always had a bit of a fascination with Oak Island. So just to start right off at the top, what the hell is Oak Island, right? 
uh, Michigan, it is currently uh, part. It's currently uh, 50% owned by two brothers, Rick and Marty Lagina. <laughs> I know Rick. It's so close to Rick and Morty. <laughs> But they have a 50% stake in the company that owns the entire island. Uh, They started that up in 2006, and they became the latest in a massive line of treasure hunters over the last 220 years or so, trying to solve this mystery that is Oak Island. So Oak Island is located on the southern shore of the Atlantic coasts of Nova Scotia, Canada. It is one of about three over 300 islands inside of Mahone Bay. Now the main belief here is that somewhere on this 140 acre forested area is a massive treasure trove that has been there since the late 18th century. So there's a lot of theories as to where all of this comes from. Uh, One theory is that the infamous pirates that went by the names Captain Kidd and Edward the Blackbeard teach. uh, Some of them say that the Freemasons or even the Knights Templar themselves uh, brought over precious artifacts of Christendom like perhaps holy the, the Holy Grail or even rumors of the Ark of the Covenant as with all of these kind of anything that you say Templars, people go, oh, Ark of the Covenant. Uh, but mainly the goal from uh, what I've been able to find, it's mainly suspected that they hid their fortune there. Oh, shit. This, okay. Uh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. This is a, the this is the island that they made a TV series out of. Like, yeah, yep. Okay. The, okay. the, t- the two brothers I mentioned, Rick and Marty Lagina, <laughs> um, they're actually the ones on the show currently. Um, oh, but it's they, still going. Oh yeah, it's still going. They're oh. debating whether or not to do another season, but they've been they've been digging on the island since 2006. Um, yeah, the TV series has been since 2014. Yeah, these guys have been going for a long time. So there's even a rumor that a philosopher, uh, Francis Bacon, buried all of the original manuscripts of Shakespeare on the property. The ones that make the most sense to me, based on what's been found so far, are the Knights Templar or the Pirates. Those just make the most sense to me. So... We're gonna go into gonna go into some of the like the history of it, right? Mm-hmm. The earliest discovery marking the island was the fact that it was the only part of the land near that area covered in red oak trees. That was because a black ant infestation had destroyed almost all of the oaks in the 1800s, and the island now due to expeditions and human interference has largely been replaced by spruce trees or shrubbery. But it is interesting to note that it was the only island that was completely seeded with red oak trees amid over 300 islands because of this. And and granted a lot of that was black infestation, but if they took over every Island, why was this one skipped? 
or were those oak trees planted after the treasure was buried? We just don't know. Hmm. Now, during an early, early, early dig expedition, there was a stone that was discovered. This stone was buried 90 feet in the ground. That had a very mysterious uh, codex on it or cipher. And after it was final, there's like, there's a lot of conjecture as to what it actually says. Cause most carto- most uh, crypto analysis analysts weren't able to break the cipher, <clears throat> but the ones that did claim it says 10 feet below 2 million pounds lies buried. Now, according to the lore on the Island, which again stems from way back in the 1800s, uh, there are numerous tales of hauntings, uh, lights, mysterious flying orbs, all this stuff. And there's a prediction from the early, one of the earlier expeditions based on what they were finding and local lore that the treasure itself cannot be discovered until seven treasure seekers, specifically treasure seekers die trying to find it. The current death toll before the brothers took over the project is six. And with these brothers, they have actually been finding pieces of treasure on the Island. So it's almost like the Island is like, no, keep going, keep going. Here's a little, here's a little tidbit, you know, and trying to get that seventh life before it gives up its secrets. Which I know sounds kind of woo woo, but it's it's creepy as fuck that it. The legend is seven people have to die. No one's really been finding anything. These two brothers take over the project. Six people are dead, and now they're finding shit. Like it's. Didn't somebody uh, die on the show? Uh not on the show. They got injured. As far as I know, I didn't see anything that said anybody died on the show. Okay. Um, could be mistaken. It's just from my research. Uh, I, I hadn't found that. Uh, you um, did the research, man. <laughs> well, it's easy to miss stuff when you're trying to look up multiple, multiple places. So I very easily could have missed something like that. Um, the very first survey of the Island, uh, the Island itself being only one mile long and less than half a mile wide was done between 1762 and 1765, at which point they broke it up into 32 separate four anchor lots. Uh, a 1776 map by Desbars called it Gloucester Island or Gloucester Isle. But the name Oak Island has stuck and has actually been what's been the, ter- the name used for almost every deed, which is kind of funny. Um, so, Back in 1795, a teenager, Daniel McGinnis, and his two friends rode out to the island to go exploring, and they came across this very large depression in the ground. McGinnis thought this was a very unusual-looking area and suggested that perhaps this was a pirate burial area, like a treasure hiding place. And it should be noted that Mahone Bay, the entire bay, 
has been a notorious pirate haven throughout the 17th and 18th centuries. So to say that this island might be attached to pirates makes a lot of sense. So what they ended up finding was they uncovered a shaft, they continued to dig, and they came across oak logs, flagstones, and wooden platforms placed at 10-foot intervals. And this is what has launched this massive treasure hunt, right? So it should be noted that according to some experts, the most likely art, the most likely theory is that this whole thing was formed by natural sinkholes. Now, the one of the things they point to is that another area with a very similar pit was discovered in the same area of the world in 1949 when they were digging a well off the shore of the bay. They noted that the earth was soft, and after digging two feet, they did find a layer of fieldstone. They then found logs of spruce and oak at irregular intervals, and some of the wood was charred. They thought they may have found another money pit until they discovered that it was a sinkhole. Now, going back to what they found, the key takeaway for me is they found soft dirt. They did come across log uh, flagstones, right? We said flagstone. Huh? You said fieldstone. Fieldstone. Yeah, this one's flagstones, which is a little different. Okay, yeah, yeah. But the key thing is the wooden platforms were placed at exactly 10-foot intervals. Whereas the other sinkhole from a, a natural event were at irregular intervals, which would make sense. It's, you know, it's a random event for them to be placed at perfectly 10 foot intervals. It almost demands human intervention, right? Like how it's very unlikely that nature would be like, Oh, I'm going to put this log here and then I got to make it, make sure I'm 10 feet away and put this one here rinse and repeat over and over again that's a human thing nature doesn't build in lines and and patterns quite like that yeah yeah it does <laughs> it's it's one of those old um land navigation things if you're looking for a human human uh evidence of human existence or populace and you're in a, a mostly natural habitat you look for straight lines because nature almost never has a straight line and you can very easily tell a human structure because we like straight lines with, you know, 90 degree corners and shit. So if you see something like that in nature, you can go that probably a fucking human over there. So that's why I'm like, it just doesn't make a lot of sense to me to be like, Oh, it's a, it's obviously a sinkhole when you have evidence of human intervention. Right. Mm Hmm. And this is, again, back in 1795, before any of the digging was done. So it's not as though they did digging and then disturbed something that caused other shit to like slip around. That That's the purest point of Oak Island before all the expeditions. Now, what's interesting is that the three guys that found that as well as another man named Samuel Bell, Samuel Ball, who is a formerly enslaved person, all came to own the entire island. All three of them purchased land on the island. 
Ball himself owned nine lots, making him the biggest landowner of Oak Island. And um, Randall Sullivan, who wrote the book, The Curse of Oak Island, the story of the world's largest treasure hunt, said that, quote, for more than a century and a half, there have been accusations that the young men who discovered the money pit, along with Samuel Ball, did in fact find the treasure there, which explained their apparently sudden prosperity in the early 19th century, end quote. So you have a couple of teenagers and a former slave who find Oak Island, find this this pit, and somehow have the money to buy the entire island. So are you say are you saying that some kids and a slave couldn't afford something like that? That's rather classist of you. I'm not saying it. Randall <laughs> Sullivan said it. Randall. Blame Randall and Rick and Marty. All right. Um so what are the challenges facing these people at Oak Island for trying to find stuff, right? So at first they were using shovels and picks. Then in the 18th century, they started using steam pumps and drill bits or steam pumps. In the 19th century, they started using drill bits and open pit mining. And now they're using bulldozers and high tech tools to try and, you know, anything they can do to get this in on the money pit. Every time they get a little bit deeper, it floods more almost as if they're not solving the puzzle. You know what I'm saying? Right. Um, Break the puzzle to get the puzzle. solved. yeah, every time they try to do brute force, they end up getting more and more flooding. Uh, The interest of the Island and everything that goes on there actually drew the attention of a young Franklin Delano Roosevelt, who would end up becoming our 32nd president. He made several visits to Oak Island and he even bought stock in the company prior to becoming president, which is pretty interesting. Hmm. Um, there have been in 1926, a story broke in New York times noting that there have been six organized attempts over 131 years and they still were unsuccessful and marveled at the tunnels made by the unknown barriers of the treasure. And they said, whoever quote, whoever they were, they had men enough to dig a hole 100 feet deep and a over a dozen feet across with no, which is no light undertaking in the flint like clay of Oak Island. Still more amazing. They had the skill to plan and build an elaborate system of drains connecting the pit with tidewater which have defeated the efforts of engineers and flooded out company after company of determined treasure hunters for over 100 years. There was even a dye test conducted, which claims that it's uh, the official claim is that um, it is a natural water course and caves typical to limestone and gypsum of the Windsor formation. Um, it would not be practical. It would be impractical, if not impossible to dig a flood tunnel, 562 feet from the beach to the money pit. The Windsor formation of limestone and gypsum would have flooded them out. 
And the claim is that due to erosion and just changes over time, the strike line in the bedrock surface of Nova Scotia, which passes through Oak Island called the Windsor layer would have caused, uh, cave-ins would have caused puddling and would have flooded this tunnel, uh, with additional water and every time they move it as part of the digging or drilling process, they're just bringing in the water from that, uh, Windsor line. Now the interest other thing of note here with this dye test is that they did not use a centrifuge with the cloudy samples to remove all of the sediment to determine exactly where the water is coming from because part of the reason you'd want to do that is just like anything else. If you have water coming out of a pipe in your kitchen and it spills over the baking soda and cleaning supplies you have under the sink, and then you had this massive puddle of cleaning supplies on your kitchen floor, are you going to assume that your cleaning supplies spilled or are you going to look for the source of water? Right? So if you're only looking at that initial mess, you clean it up and you're like, damn, all my cleaning supplies spilled. And then as soon as you get it mopped up, you're noticing there's more and more water and you go, oh, fuck, no, the, the pipe burst, right? So you have to remove some of their point is you have to remove the sediment as best you can with a pump system or a centrifuge and then do the dye test to really determine where it's coming from. And it is interesting to note that previous tests, when they flooded the tunnel or the pit, the money pit would die. It came out in multiple directions from multiple areas, but most of it came from, um, the bay, like this little Bay area of the Island. And when they started digging there in the history channel show, the uh, two brothers there, they discovered a lot of fibers. They sent them off to be tested and they were coconut fibers meaning that somebody took the time at some point to dig up a huge part of the beach and layer in coconut fibers all the way to the ocean and then reburied them with sand. Or it was a miraculous <laughs> natural event. <laughs> in a place that doesn't have coconuts. Yes. <laughs> so the, in the interesting thing is, when they're trying to figure out how these booby traps are made, if you have that layer of coconut um, fibers, right? Mm -hmm. When the tide rolls in, it acts as a almost natural filter with the sand and only lets the water in, which reduces the amount of crap you're going to get on your in your treasure space, right? You only have to deal with water, which if you have your your stuff situated right, you could, in theory, make it so the main pipe floods, but there's not a lot of sent sentiment sediment to so, raise uh, yeah. to raise that water level further. And if you have it situated right, the main pipe will flood, and your offshoots will go out. Those offshoots will partially flood, but then you dig upwards from there. And the water line can't get 
to your treasure, right? Is the idea. But they can never get down there because as they were trying to excavate everything in the money pit, they caused it to flood. Uh, I think they got it 100 feet, 120 feet deep, and it flooded all the way up to the 32 foot line. So trying to get all that water out has been almost impossible. And what they think they accidentally did was set off the booby trap, basically, that opened up the the sealed compartment. Like they sealed it up with like wood and dirt and other shit, but set it up with like pulleys or ropes so that if somebody disturbed it without going in the right direction or without unlocking it, quote unquote, with the right with the right mode, they would know, oh, that's not the owner. So we obviously want this to flood. And if you didn't do it the right way, it would cause those things to open, which would send the water from the ocean and the bay into the main central chamber and flood it, making it impossible for anybody else to get in. So I'm kind of curious as to why nobody has invested in just like stamping some like, you know, 30, 40 feet walls and like around this, island to close off the ocean water so that they can actually dig I thought the same thing but what they've (laughs) discovered is that they did the dye test they saw where stuff was coming out the problem is the waters around that area are so treacherous that even getting to the outside edges of the island like that especially with the tides coming it makes it very dangerous to do so without risking life or limb. And the safer areas that they were able to get to when they sealed it up, the water subsided briefly and then came back up. They did another dye test and they found another hole almost as if somebody thought of that. Like, Hey, if they find a way to plug the hole, we need to make sure another hole opens as like the water level goes back down, it would trigger something that would open another hatch almost. And they're like, every time you cover one, another one opens. It's the weirdest fucking thing. Where the hell is our real life Indiana Jones? Yeah. and, And that part of it could actually be natural, right? Like they rigged up this whole thing, but as you're changing the water levels artificially by plugging holes, you're causing the natural rocks and sediment that's now formed in there to shift, which could cause something else to open naturally. Right. Right. But to go over what's been found, right. They've been kind of going all over the place, but even Blackbeard is quoted to have said he hid his, he buried his treasure quote where none but Satan and myself can find it end quote. He's known to have been in that area. The Templars, the Masons have both been known to have been in the area. They said it's even possible for Incas seeking to squirrel their treasure away from Spanish conquistadors could have even made the trip to hide it. Uh, that one's a little more. Eh. Uh, they even suggested that British British or French engineers built it in order to hide money that they took during the seven year war. But here's some of the other. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, they also think it could be Marie Antoinette's jewels. Uh, 
Shakespeare's stuff and some other artifacts. So let me go back to where, ah, the Lagina brothers, like I said, have taken, taken over the Island 50% ownership. They've been digging for over 10 years now, but they have on air with the history channel discovered man-made structures that predate the initial finding of the money pit. Uh, they have found wooden casks. They found a gemstone brooch that dated back to the 16th century. They found a Spanish coin from the 1650s and they found a 14th century cross made out of lead among other discoveries. So they are finding things that would one would expect with treasure from pirates in the early late 16th, early 17th to the mid, like the beginning of the 18th century. And again, they've lost six people to this Island and legend says when the seventh treasure seeker dies, they will finally uncover the true mystery and treasure of Oak Island. I don't believe it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they're going through so much just to get to it. They keep going dig like deeper and deeper. They're doing all this other stuff. Realistic. I mean, when we try and go into, uh, what is, uh, pyramids, uh, you know, the sarcophagus, all that stuff to get down there and everything, we have to follow steps to get into it because there's always traps or there's different things that we got to deal with because, you know, they're set to be a certain way to not be disturbed. Right. So we know about these processes, but we're not going to take the process into effect with this kind of thing. No, we're just going to like keep pushing the door down until it breaks down. That that's where I don't get it. It was like, we couldn't like find some other way to actually do this process the correct way. Well, that's one thing I do like about these brothers. If you watch the history channel show, they have, they've actually been doing research into the Island itself, the legend, the lore, the legends, the lore, They've been researching um, how pirates used to make traps to better understand the logistics of it. And they've been uh, looking at old treasure maps that have been. uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Decrypted, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, what treasure maps do we know of that exist that were real? that the treasure has been found and how did you, how do you solve that on the map? Cause it's not like, Oh, X marks this spot. You know, you need to make it hard to get to. And they've been using those tools on Oak Island. And that's actually how they found some of these artifacts was by studying how pirates actually did this. And one of them was found by using, uh, a cipher that the Templars used to use. And they said, well, you know, the rumor is that Templars were here. So let's use Templar shit and see if we get anything. And they actually made a discovery using Templar, uh, methodologies and they've made discoveries using pirate methodologies. So the brothers are almost thinking like it might be a little bit of both. Like it could have been pirates. And then the Templars came here and hid some shit. And they're like, well, the pirates already built like, the pirates are already burying shit here. 
we know how to make really elaborate sh- traps and engineering feats, and they just added to the island. So you mentioned three groups, though, didn't you? You mentioned the, May- the Mayans, too? Is that what you said? Uh, one of the rumors is that it could be the Inca trying to hide oh, okay. it from the In- conquistadors. Inca, they, they are. They're an older group of Mayans. But um, what I was thinking was that <clears throat> what if this whole thing is layered by culture, by culture, by culture? Oh, so yeah. there's, there's like, you know, they're going to be like intermixing all their different methods That'd be insane, man. Like, they're, th- these three groups are coming together to hide all this treasure. Yeah, and what, there's... What if that's where the city of gold was, like El Dorado? <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it is something worth mentioning as well that the Knights Templar um, throughout history have had access to massive amounts of gold and uh, religious artifacts it was part of the reason why the Pope turned against them because he's like, you know, they have too much money. They have too much power. They have too many artifacts. We can't compete with that. Get, excuse me. We got to get rid of them. Cause that's our bag. That's, that's what we do, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's another site, the Templars and the Catholic church. Cause they were buddies at the time. Uh, had a guy, a priest, that wanted to build churches and they're like, well, what do you want to do? He wanted to remake a new Jerusalem. He wanted to take everything about Jerusalem, make it somewhere else. But he said he was commanded by God or led by God to build it in the ground. And the way he built it was they would chisel out of the rock instead of using the rock to build. So instead of like, you know, laying a foundation and then, you know, putting up four by fours and all that jazz, you would take a hammer and chisel and bust out the window from the rock and then smooth out the corners. And like that, like you were just carving it straight from the rock. There are four churches all built that way, all connected by tunnels and all of them, almost as if they were going to be playing um, the cup game, had a specific altar space for the Ark of the Covenant. And each one was only accessible. You had to start on one. You had to start in a very specific place. And all of the tunnels were interconnected. And they had a system in place to cut one. any. You could cut the churches off from each other and make it almost impossible to get to the next tunnel if they were attacked. So That's no, true. so nobody would know where the Ark of the Covenant was at any one point in time. Like, this is a random question, though. Mm-hmm. Considering what you just said and everything, um, what in in the movie, the Indiana Jones movie? Yeah. Where did they actually find the Ark of the Covenant? Where did the Nazis find the Ark of the Covenant? Wasn't it in Africa? Was it in Africa? I, I haven't was, seen that movie in so long. When it comes to all those holy relics, they were constantly being moved. Oh, Egypt. T says Egypt. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, because uh, I know, like, you you mentioned, like, the Holy Grail and stuff. Um, the Holy Grail was constantly being moved, and that's why a lot of these things weren't, like, being found and stuff like that. Yeah, it was a little, she is absolutely right. They found it in Tanis, Egypt, on a secret island base near Crete. Is where they, they took the Ark to a secret island near Crete. Okay. Thank you, 
Tief. Appreciate yes, that. thank you, Tiefling. Appreciate you. <clears throat> um, so that was a, that's always a thing that I was always curious about. Like how, how like, because th- there's supposed to be these legendary items and everything: Ark of the Covenant, Holy Grail, and all that. The the Spear of Destiny, but like they're the always spear, being moved. Yeah. Like the head of the Spear of Destiny was found, right? The body, the body is the the body. Of the spear is the part that that's missing, right? The part that's missing, I believe, is the spearhead. Oh, is it the spearhead that's missing? Yeah, because even in the movie Constantine, that's the, what, uh, Manoah or whoever, the son of Satan, he gets the spearhead. Which, I, which kind of funnily enough, is wrapped in a Nazi flag when he finds it. <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, uh, Tief, um, they have mentioned that there's been uh, charred uh, wood found on the site, which could mean that they did use um, parts of a ship. There's even been references to the possibility that when they dug out that space for the <clears throat> the coconut fiber, that they actually landlocked a ship that has all the treasure on it, which we do know pirates have done in the past. Um, so that's a possibility. And it could be a sinkhole that someone tried to cover up, I I suppose. Um, But again, the part that rubs me the wrong way with that is that it is perfectly like the wood is spaced out in 10 foot intervals and the area around it and within the sinkhole seems to have booby traps to flood it, which just doesn't seem consistent with covering up like a run of the mill sinkhole. Oh, when it comes to that, though, just, <coughs> uh, think but, about I mean, like, possible. the distance and everything and the flooding and everything, and then the possibility of a burnt ship and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Could it just be the bottom of a ship where they actually had the idea of like the, what do you call them in uh, modern boats now, where they're trying to keep equilibrium in the boat? Oh, so the keeps ballast? Floating. Yeah, the ballast. Could have been like ballast. So we're, we're thinking it's flooding, but what we're really doing is we're breaking the walls down between ballasts. I mean, it's possible because what they have seen is that like you, <clears throat> you dig 10, you dig 20 feet and you'll get to another layer of that cedar. They break through the cedar. They'll get a little bit more flooding because the water comes up through that hole. They go another 10 or 20 feet and they get another section. Right. But the problem the brothers are facing now is they don't want to just do the brute force method, but that's all anybody's really done up to this point. Right. Because they don't believe in legends and they don't believe in folklore and they don't believe in any of that stuff. So they've just been brute forcing it, but they've, by brute forcing it, they've forced everybody that comes after them to deal with the mess they've made out of the first, you know, 200 some odd feet. Right. But I think it is entirely possible that, like I said, if you can imagine a straight line going down into the ground, right? And then you have lines coming up at 45 degree angles back towards the surface. And then at the end of those runs, you have a vertical chasm digged, dug straight up, right? And then like a five by five room at the top of that. If all of the treasure is in those five by foot room, five by five rooms, 
it would take a hell of a lot of water in that central chamber to then split with having enough water pressure and height to get up the full 45 degree walls and then up the vertical shaft to flood those rooms. Well, I mean, that's the idea of with ballast though. mm -hmm. Like if we're going along the lines of ballast is that they contain that pressure and all that water. So if there is, you know, you know how it works. Right. And it could, I think the best thing to do, which I think they, like I said, they have tried and the waters are dangerous. So it's like, what the fuck are you going to do? But if they were able to take those metal sheets that they use to like uh, plug holes on to, you know, it's um, underwater welding. They like bolt these fucking planks of uh, steel onto the hole of a ship in the side of a hole. And then mm-hmm. they use the underwater welding to go around that to, you know, patch it until they can get it back to Harbor. <clears throat> if they did something like that, where they slammed metal plates into the side to cover up these holes or whatever the fuck, however you do it and seal it up just enough to cut the water from getting in from all of the holes and then pump all the water out. Maybe that would work. I don't know. I'm not an engineer. Neither am I. I'm just, I I just like thinking about these puzzles and shit like that. That, that, Yeah. It's just, my thing is like, the fact that they're finding shit all the way back to the 16th century, there has to be something there. And I think that they just, they didn't, the first people to go there didn't understand that it was a very well engineered booby trapped thing. And they set off the booby traps. And now, you know, we just have to figure out how to get to this stuff. And it could even be that they designed it to destroy all of the treasure. If anybody else tried to get it. Because if I can't have it, no one will. Well, destroy or at least send it out to the ocean. Because that's what it sounds like it goes towards. It's just like filling oh, yeah. the chambers up with water constantly. So if it's going to be filled up with water, then why not just uh, just bury it at sea, basically? And I would be interested to see, like, send out a dive team around the island all the way at the bottom. And just, you know... See scour anything, the so scour well. the floor and just be like, if you find a bunch of treasure, maybe that's what happened. Yeah, they just flushed it. Well, wouldn't that be funny if they're doing all this digging and everything, and not, they don't find anything at the bottom, but it's like scattered around the island because yeah, at the bottom of the ocean. But they have said like the water is so murky around that island that it would be almost impossible to find it if it did something like that. Oh well, then they better get their shit together, huh? I mean, just take a submersible vehicle from Elon Musk or whatever, hook a metal detector to the bottom of it and see if it starts going off. Get an idea. I don't know. There's got to be something there, but I don't know how we get it. But I'm fucking intrigued. Yeah, I mean, that that the show when it started intrigued a lot of people because Mm -hmm. it's just the absolute mystery of it. And when it comes to like human beings and mystery, it, it really connects you, especially when it's something like this, where it's not like it's not something as outrageous as right. uh, fucking space or the deep bottom of, of the sea. It's like this is here. This is right here. This is almost like within fingertip grasp. Mm-hmm. And but we don't know what's there. We we know that they found little bits and pieces of what could be there, but we don't know what's there. And we can't get to it because all this stuff keeps happening. These layers of 
you know, coconut, like, like you were saying, those, these things that don't belong there are there. Yeah, so. the lime and the coconut. Lime and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good song, by the way. Absolutely intriguing, and it is not a good song. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Put the lime in the coconut. All right, it's your turn. All right, my turn. Uh, I don't. My mine. Carl Charles absolutely gifted me. He didn't Char-car. have car. Char car 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 char. I sound like a Pokemon. <laughs> Char car. You know, I was thinking about that because I was. I think we were you and I were in Teeth Stream, and she was calling you Carl and I'm sitting here calling you like bouncing between Carl and Charles on here. And we call you, uh, Oh no, she called you Carlos the other, the other night. She called you Carlos because you're like Carlos spicy winner. And then like there's Carl and then there's Charles. And I'm just sitting there going, my mind is like going crazy over, like trying to get, like get straightened out on what to call you. Well, don't so get me straight now. Cause I'm not straight, but I'm well, um, well, That's not where I was going with that. Airball. All right, but anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, so mine isn't my mine was gifted to me by Charles here. And it's it's the suicide forest over in Japan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't pronounce what it's actually called. Aoki Aoki Gakama. I can't, I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, but it, it translates to blue tree meadow. It's also known as a sea of trees, a jukai. Uh, it's a forest on the northwestern side of Mount Fuji on the island of Honshu in Japan, spanning 12 square miles of hardened lava. Uh, it, the, the, it's all sitting on hardened lava from, uh, the last major eruption from Mount Fuji back in 864 CE. Um, And you remember how you and I talked about, uh, about um, how silent it is there. People talk about how silent and like still it is over there. Mm -hmm. I was listening to how to pronounce something. It's Aoki Gahara. Aoki Gahara. Okay. Um, well, we spoke about how silent people say it is there. Yeah. Um, do, the reason for that is how thick the foliage, how thick the trees are. Um, they say that little light makes it through the foliage of the trees to like the ground underneath the trees. Um, it's very dark there. Uh, everything underneath underneath the the forest is actually uh, porous lava rock from the last ma- main eruption from A64. So there's a lot of sound absor- absorption coming from the lava rock and just simply the trees and forests. Um, that, that, I mean, that's the reason why that's all. That's, that's the scientific reason for that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> The forest has a historical reputation as a home to Yurai, uh, translates to ghosts. Um, these ghosts are, aren't like normal ghosts. Like they, they compared it 
in the article to Western ghosts, and we see ghosts over here in Amer- North America as uh, spiritual beings that mm. need something to move on, right? Right. Um, they say uh, that Yurai actually, the, those kinds of ghosts don't, um, <laughs> those kinds of ghosts don't, aren't looking for anything specifically. They're just, uh, what was it? I can't remember what they said. I didn't write it down. The, but they don't look, they're not looking for a specific thing to be released into the afterlife. They're just looking to release themselves from the pain that they've endured. Mm-hmm. And the, the reason the, the Yurai come from all the suicides that happened there, the suicides that have been happening for the, uh, since before the 1960s. Mm-hmm. Um, but the reason How much sound does lava rock absorb? I don't know, Chief. Um, if a lava rock could absorb sound, <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how much sound lava rock does absorb. But because of the porous, it, it would it would uh, it would very easily um, assimilate as like the the sound foam, the soundproof foam that everybody puts on the walls. The way that's built is very similar to lava rock. It's very soft. It also says it's because of the porous nature. So each little pore of the lava rock, like the sound goes inside that that porous hole and then bounces around the inside of the rock but doesn't really get back out. So it also helps to absorb the sound that way as well, apparently. Yeah. So it it would it so yeah, it does. It's it's very similar to how the foam that mm-hmm. you put on the walls works. Yeah, absolutely. The foam is very porous. Yeah, and it the shape of it, like you were saying before, also helps break up the sound waves. So the sound hits it. If you think of it, kind of like the wave of an ocean, it'll hit up against it. It'll break up into multiple pieces, and then those pieces get pulled into the pores. So anything that's left over that bounces back is so minimal and doesn't have as much strength left. It's not likely to get back to the sender or the yeah. the or, microphone. Yeah, I was gonna say, or any point of you know destination at that point. Right. Um. Let's see. The force had become associated with suicides. Uh, Earning its name in English, this is just they they don't call it suicide forest over there. They just right. call it uh, Gahara Aoki Gahara. Um, but in English, it's called suicide forest. And uh, there's like over a hundred suicides, I think, a year there. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them happen during March, and over in Japan, they assume that's. Um, that's when the country's fiscal year ends. So a lot of people due to debt and money loss would go there. A lot of the suicides they find in the suicide forest is also, are also male. So just like here in North America, a lot of this, there's a very large suicide rate of, of men. Um, because of all that, they, uh, they do have different methods of trying to keep people from committing suicide. Um, 
they have signs at the front of a lot of the trailheads there saying to think about uh, the gift that you've been given from your parents. Um, think about your parents and your family, your brothers, your sisters, and they offer up on every sign some sort of uh, suicide prevention association phone number. So they have methods to try and stop, but they can't stop everybody, obviously. <clears throat> um, there back in the, the it really had a spike in suicides. Um, this this is what I was talking about, uh, Charles was mm -hmm. uh, the amount of energy that's been going on there for like at least half a century since uh since before the 1960s suicides have been happening there um there was also uh what's it called uh i have it written down so maybe i don't have it written down i have it written down maybe i don't oh there it is uh ubus i think it's pronounced um, it's a practice of senicide in Japan where people take their elderly or their infirmed mm -hmm. uh, relatives out to a desolate and remote location and leave them there to die. So they just release them out into the wild. <laughs> um, and they did they they did that a lot before the 1960s in, out in that particular forest. But there was a larger spike in the 1960s after a publication by Saicho uh, Matsumoto. Uh, he had a 1961 novel called Nami no To. Uh, the popularity came from these characters in his book. Um, Spoilers for anybody that wants to read the book. These characters that go to the forest and commit suicide together to remain together. Um, and after that, they notice the numbers for suicides, like shooting up from that point on. Right. Um, so uh, going back to the word yurai, you means uh, meaning faint or dim and rai means uh, solar spirit, so a faint spirit. Um, Yurai are thought to be spirits banned from a peaceful afterlife. And on top of all of that, they also believe that uh, the suicide forest is also inhabited by demons. Uh, uh, the demon bird called Tengu specifically, um, which takes different forms as both bird and monkey. It's it's not a good place, like you were saying before. Um, there, it is a big tourist place, touristy place too. At the same time, which is really like odd, but right. Um, it it is a large it is a large piece of land. What did I say? Uh, did I even say twelve square miles? Yeah, it's huge. So there's a lot of land there, but they have they have specific trailheads there that are also really known for just hikers. Mm -hmm. um, they have, it's got that, that specific 12 square miles has like over a hundred different caves in it. 
Um, let's see. There's there's three specific ones. I can't think of it. There's one that is an ice cave. It's known as the ice cave, and it is frozen year round. There's no point where it's not frozen. That's crazy. Let me see here. I had I saved a page yep, right there. And uh, this information, I'm going to post it in information. That's where we post it, right? That's where we post our stuff. Yeah, yeah. That's really pretty. It's called Nurasawa Ice Cave. Uh, enter. Oh, wow. Looks like something you'd see at like the Disney uh, Frozen exhibit. Yeah, it's one of the most popular tourist attractions. Uh, it remains frozen all year round. An average temperature of 37.4 degrees Fahrenheit all year. Wow. And it's and to me, that's that's so strange because it's an ice cave that mm-hmm. remains frozen year round right next to a volcano. Yeah. Like, it's not very far away from the volcano at all. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I don't know if... I saved that picture. I well, didn't. While you look for that, um, I did want to just, I found something on the, the URI. Mm-hmm, um, please. They, da, 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 the origin is from tra- uh, traditional Japanese beliefs. When a person dies, his soul lives on as a separate entity passing on to a heavenly afterlife. This transition is accomplished through a number of funeral and post-funeral rites and prayers performed by the loved ones over many years. Through these rites, the soul is reunited with their ancestors and becomes a family guardian spirit. These ancestors are then enshrined in the home and continue to be honored as members of the family, particularly during the summer holiday of Oban, when they are said to return to the material world to be with their families. Those who do not, those who do not receive the proper funeral rites cannot pass on. They remain stuck in purgatory that is part physical world and part ethereal. Others who die suddenly, tragically, or violently, or with grudge or malice in their hearts, are sometimes unable to pass on even with the proper prayers and rites. All of these lost souls transform into Yurai. Yeah, that they also there's also uh, another part of that uh, ceremony when it comes to people that commit suicide in the suicide forest. Um, there are a number of for they call them forest forest guardians that have to actually retrieve the bodies if the bodies are found because not all bodies are found. Sometimes, uh, I think it's said that within half a mile or um, yeah, I want to say half a mile into the forest, you can't tell that there's been any humans out that way. People get lost all the time. People take tape, rope, string to mark where they've been so that they can find their way back. It is that difficult to actually mm-hmm. navigate the forest. I, I saw a, uh, <clears throat> there's a really good show on Hulu. I've mentioned a few times, <laughs> uh, the unexplained with, um, William Chatner. They mm-hmm. did an episode on cursed places and this forest was in there. And one of the things I, I wanted to mention as well is you touched on the silent nature that the lava rocks and everything present. They also found that there is a specific resonance 
in that area, there's a frequency that those that area gives off, and they believe it is a uh, in part due to the seismic frequency of the volcano, because vibration is sound after all, um, and the silent nature and frequency of the rocks itself create this atmosphere, wherein if you were to put a uh, neurotypical person, right, uh, that doesn't currently have depression, into a area that has that specific frequency, they would start to experience depression. Yeah. If you took a depressed person and put them into that situation, the depression would be worse. If you took somebody that had suicidal ideation, but did not feel that they could, had never had um, a plan or the ability to carry it out, that person in that situation can be nudged over the fence and commit suicide. And then somebody who has had suicidal ideation and developed a plan will almost certainly feel driven to suicide in that frequency. Charles, did you want to do this one? No, I just, I just thought that was interesting, man. man. Yeah. Who said I didn't have that written down? You motherfucker. Sorry. I waited a while. I'm just, I'm just giving you shit, man. Uh, I was like, I thought I waited until it started like trending down. Like I think you, you thought you had gotten your stuff out. Yeah, sure. Always I waited doing my a while, work for me. Bro. Always doing my work for me. <laughs> no, I just, I love all this shit, and I, I like, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, let me talk for a bit. <laughs> I you did, spent bro. a whole, you spent a whole forty-five minutes talking. I've talked for a whole 20 minutes and you're already trying to take it back from me. 20 minutes. You've been talking for 30, bro. 30, bro. 30, oh, bro. 30 on top of 45. <laughs> all right. All right. I see how it is. Yeah, it's Teef's turn. I vote Teef. <laughs> yeah, Teef, unmute yourself and come back in. <clears throat> all right. Um. Well, before you start, you know, taking over the show again, <laughs> I was going to bring up, because you were talking about like the rituals and stuff like that, the prayers. Yeah. Um, there is a, uh, I was talking about the forest guardians and stuff like that. Bef- again, before you, you know, took over, took the show over and everything. Before I was a um, dick. Yeah. Yeah. The bodies are kept in a special room when they're retrieved after they're retrieved from the forest after suicide, they're held in a special room guarded by forest workers until they're collected or properly disposed of. Um, and the forest workers will stay overnight with the corpses. This is to, uh, try and make it so that they don't stay attached to the forest. Right. That they stay attached to the body until proper ceremony can be taken. And I thought that was a, a, a nice little, um, not a nice little, but uh, an interesting little factoid about it. Because when it comes to ceremonies and stuff like that, when we have people commit suicide here, we don't, we don't take any of those kinds of things. We throw them in a morgue and, yep. you know, but yeah, see, since, uh, see this, it is also the second most popular suicide destination. What's Can the you, first? Do you, do you know what the first is? Uh, the Grand Canyon. Cause people like to jump and go, ah, <laughs> no, but you have the right idea. Oh shit. Really? <laughs> yeah. It's uh golden gate bridge. 
Oh yeah, that's a thing, isn't it? Yeah, sure. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> I always forget uh, the Golden Gate Bridge, man. Well, you know, it's not usually in sight, so. Um, hanging, hanging themselves in the forest is the most, uh, I hate to say popular, but it's the most, oh, it's the most common. It's the most yeah. common form of suicide there in the forest is hanging ever since like way back when this all, all started. And I was sitting there thinking about it as I was writing all this stuff down and it's like, I wonder what was here before the, the volcano erupted. Because right. I didn't try and look that up. What was what was on that particular location before the volcano erupted? What was underneath what where it's at now? And what like the fact that all these trees are growing up out of the, the lava rock. Mm-hmm. What 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 is like as you said you the, the word you used earlier was stained what stained that location like like that that causes this i mean maybe it was the eruption because <clears throat> i'm sure it killed a whole lot of shit well that's what i'm saying though like what was there living there before it couldn't have just been wildlife right. um cuz the locals believe that the forest is inhabited by demons not just not just like yurai, not just spirits, but demons itself too. Um, the locals avoid the forest. They walk yeah. around it. They don't go near it. They they wonder why tourists go to it. Um, the locals and the forest workers, they all can tell that there's three different types of people that go there. The people that want to go hike it, the people that are curious about the forest, and the people that want to go there to commit suicide. They say there's the th- Three different types, and everybody that lives there can tell which one is going there. Hmm. <clears throat> I did. I didn't find what was there before, but I did find that it happened in the year eight sixty four, uh, the largest explosion in thirty five hundred years. Yeah, I and, said that earlier, buddy. Yeah, I know you said that part. The event left Japan's rulers awestruck, and the countrymen inspired were inspired by the explosion to worship the volcano as a god. Yeah, right. Mount Fuji, yeah. Yep. That's that's the closest snippet I could get as to what was there before. See, exactly. So I'm, I don't know. I, it, it's probably probably nothing, most likely nothing. But it, I that's where my curiosity is, is uh, what has caused all that. Because right. if it was just volcano frequency, like you were saying, then that should be happening all around the volcano, not just there. You well, see what the, I'm saying? The thing I just found, <clears throat> I'll go back to it, says that um, the entire 12 square miles that you talked about, that's where all the lava solidified. So that's why that frequency is there because that's where all the lava rock is. Yeah. I don't know. If that's, you know, in theory, if that's what's causing it. Yeah. No, I hear you. I just, uh, I don't know. It seems it seems different to me. Um, there is, there is. Uh, okay, there's two things here I want to bring up. 
real quick about it, and then we can move on. We can move on. Uh, so the I found this interesting because of the symbology of butterflies, and Teeth might find this interesting too. Um, but butterflies are very uh, overwhelmingly living there. There's nine different species of butterflies living there, and butterflies can symbolic symbolically be a release of spirit, a release of energy. Um, butterflies have a lot of symbology to them. And the fact that there's nine, more than nine different species there is crazy to me. Yeah. Like in, in that specific location, Yeah, the ice cave and just how many, like the whole butterfly. It's just fucking weird, man. Oh, it's, and uh, it's also like, one of the more popular caves is uh, Lake Sai uh, Bat Cave, located inside a lava tunnel. It's Batman. It's, a, it's the largest cave in Aokigahara. It is over one thousand two hundred sixty-eight feet long and serves as one of the forest's more popular tourist destinations. It is a lava tunnel. That's crazy to me. Hmm. But yep. Yeah, it's, it's amazing how like one species of life goes there to die and multiple species of a different type of life thrive. Well, see, that's the thing though, too, is like where there aren't humans, we're going to have more of a beautiful, lush nature and uh, natural environment. Maybe it's a uh, nature and uh, one of nature's experiments to be like, what frequency can I put out to get the flea of humanity off my back? Well, you know, that's going to happen. Oh yeah, for sure. We're going like, to like the George happening. Everybody laughs at the happening, but like, I feel like that's going to be the most like, yeah, it's like George Natural, true way. <laughs> George Carlin said, you know, the planet is going to be fine. Human beings are fucked. <laughs> and You're gonna, right. The planet's going to shake us off like a bad case of fleas. <sighs> As oh, they yeah. put it, you know. It, eventually it'll happen. Uh, so do we have time for one more? I know we got to do a bit shorter today. We've got, we've got time. Okay, I just, I don't want to like get off on a tangent and then you know hold you up. So, bro, um, we're we 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 thrive on tangents. I know. So, um, and I don't want you actually thinking that I'm mad at you for like doing like extra research. <laughs> it's fine. I don't care. No, I I was going with it, rolling rolling with the fuckery. All uh, right, my turn to butcher uh, some some names here. Uh, Hua Basio. The Haunted Forest of Mystery in Transylvania, which anytime you can bring up curses in Transylvania, it's going to be a good time. So I'm posting a, a bunch of pictures. Uh, we'll start with the top one. So this is this place is located on the outskirts of Klug Napoca on the northern border of Romania. It spans across 250 hectare acres of Transylvania and is considered one of the most haunted places on the planet 
because of this strange paranormal phenomena that is consistently reported. Now, I thought we weren't doing haunted. Food. I know. But if you look at the first picture, the reason I say cursed here and a lot of other people do as well, you see this weird net, this weird bow to every single tree. Yeah, I've well, seen that for us before. Every single yeah. tree. But so while they were researching it and going through the local customs and things like that, they could find no explanation as to why the trees are shaped this way. Ghost elephants. But it was suggested that uh, it was a way of making furniture because the bowed part would be where your back and neck are. And then the 90 degree angle is where your butt would be. Right. But why would the process to do that would have taken anywhere from eight to 15 years per tree why would you take that much time to cultivate them and then not chop them down and use them for the intended purpose? Cause they died. But why would you start <laughs> the process if you weren't going to be like, you know, the whole thing is just bizarre because life is unpredictable. You don't know if you're going to die the next, you know, life is next year. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, the other part of that too, is the amount of time with the amount of trees that there were, it just seems like the amount is just mind boggling how much time it would have actually taken and how many people would have needed to be involved. And then they never used them for the intended purpose. So that's weird. But one thing they know for sure is that somebody physically manipulated the trees over at least one to three decades to get this effect. And it's so widespread through the forest that they can't imagine how many people had to have been involved. And it just doesn't match up with like the, uh, population counts at the time that they are just completely stumped as to how and why all these trees are formed that way. But if you look at the other pictures as well, um, laid back. God, I just read your fucking joke. Um, if you look at some of the other trees, like the formations are just very strange. Like the second picture almost looks like Lord of the Rings, like two Trents holding hands as they were getting like knocked over and just froze in place. Like it's the formations of the trees themselves are very strange. And they give off very like spooky vibes. Like the third picture, it looks like something out of a uh, like a movie about witches or something, right? Yeah, I would I would love walking around in this area. This oh, third picture. Yeah. Oh, absolutely! It's got my vibe all over it. So it's often referred to as the Bermuda Triangle of Transylvania because it is said to be inhabited by the devil in person, by ghosts and even aliens. It gained additional notoriety in the 1960s when a biologist by the name of Alexandru Sift photographed flying objects in the sky above the forest. After this incident, other inexplicable events soon followed, including the disappearance of a shepherd and 200 sheep, which were never found again. The disappearance of a five-year-old girl who later reappeared five years later, wearing the exact same clothes as the day she disappeared, 
without having aged a single day. A woman also disappeared after a long time with a 15th century coin still in her pocket. And the case of a missing woman having reappeared in the forest. Oh, they said the same fucking sentence twice. That's weird. Uh, but it, <laughs> they said a woman disappeared after a long time with a 15th century coin in her in his pocket. And the case of a missing woman having reappeared in the forest with a 15th century coin in her pocket. Like That's the same fucking thing. Um, anyway. There have also been first-hand reports of people entering the forest, and when they leave, they uh, they suffer burns, severe rashes, headaches, and high fever. Uh, some studies have even revealed higher than usual radioactive radioactivity, and uh, have found natural uranium existing in the subsoil. So, yeah. if you look at the for some reason, some of those pictures posted twice. Uh, but if you look at like the next four photos, the four, the two by twos, those are pictures the biologist took of the UFO. Oh, the biologist did? Yeah. So it's, it's not like some crackpot was popping shit off. That was the uh, biologist, Alexandru Sift. Those are his so is, photos. Is that what the clearing is then? Is a landing spot? Um, so I haven't got to that one yet. Uh, the forest, the trees in the forest themselves also are an enigma, as we said. The 200-year-old trees still seem to be young, which is odd because you would expect like multiple rings on the trunk. You would expect them to act in a way that older trees do since we can prove that they're 200 years old, but they still seem to be young. Mm -hmm. They're twisted at the trunk or staged in unusual shapes. Um, Most of the paranormal activity is concentrated in a particular part of the forest, which is free of vegetation and formed into a nearly perfect circle. The soil of this vegetation area, vegetation free area Oh my God. Vegetation free area has been tested and no anomalies or radioactivity would were found that would prevent the growth of any plant life. It's just always barren and they don't know why. Um, all of this strange activity and photographic testimonies of mysterious lights appearing within the forest have all contributed to the Huabasui forest uh, as one of the best documented paranormal sites in the world. As of yet, science has not been able to explain the strange source of the phenomena or give answers as to how people could go missing and come back years later, ageless or with ancient money in their pocket. Nor can they explain the burns, rashes, headaches, and high fever. All right, you, you mentioned uranium though, right? I didn't just hear that. No, they they have found areas there that do have higher than usual radioactivity okay. with okay. some natural uranium present in the subsoil, but not in levels high enough to um, give people burns, rashes, headaches, high fever. No, but what I was thinking was uh, keeping the trees younger because um, maybe in Chernobyl 
there are leaves that fell off the ground that were, you know, struck by the uh, radiation. And they still haven't decomposed. There are flowers that have grown and uh, there are trees that are still alive over there. They're, they're, I'm trying to say is that they became ageless. Right. So the uranium in the soil makes sense to me as that reaction with the tree is being, you know, young, younger sort of thing. Because it kind of stops time with the... It's, that's what we've noticed with Chernobyl, at least. When it right. comes to nature and everything, after they adjusted to the Chernobyl incident, there was uh, nature, you know, dealt with it. It adapted, and it's still alive over there, whereas we can't... We, we wouldn't be able to survive over there in those uh, irradiated areas. But nature has not only survived, but began to thrive. So there's some flowers right. that may have been you know, mutated. They have double heads, but it's the fact that nature has survived and thrived in an area where we couldn't do it. So I'm, that's a long rant going on to with like the uranium making the trees younger. No, I get you. It's a, it's a valid uh, hypothesis you got there. I, I looked at the Chernobyl incident for a very long time, uh, a long time ago. Um, the the interest I have in how the location is after the incident is what um, interests me the most. And that's where I was like finding out that there are things that should have decomposed still there, like right. nature wise. I, I don't think a human would stay, you know, in a state of non-decomposure but the fact that nature where should be decomposing is not decomposing right is interesting to me yeah i I definitely wouldn't recommend trying to become the hulk by living in chernobyl right right but uh (laughs) it it is interesting too is like how different radioactive incidents can have vastly different um long-term effects like uh if I remember correctly, I'm going to Google it quick before I make an ass out of myself. But I want to say Hiroshima and Nagasaki were oh, come on. Yeah, there we go. So in Hiroshima, um, the and I believe they did it in Nagasaki as well. Um, they dropped it eighteen hundred to two thousand feet above the ground was where it was detonated. It was an airburst, uh, because they wanted to mit- uh, minimize residual radiation. Um, the radiation in both Hiroshima and Nagasaki today is on par with the extremely low levels of background radiation known as natural radiation present anywhere else on earth and has no effect on the human body. Yet Chernobyl is like still can't 
we can't go there. And there are places in Nevada where we've done nuclear testing with ground-based explosion that the ground itself is still radioactive. And despite the lies of the DOD, uh, we've actually, where they were telling families, oh, just close your doors and windows, you'll be fine. Duck and cover. Uh, they found out that's not the case. And the federal government had to uh, settle with the families to give them compensation for no longer being able to reproduce or having uh, various health effects because of that. Uh, But again, the effect of a ground detonation nuclear device, the effect of a uh, nuclear power plant going critical, and the airburst nuclear weapons all having vastly different radiation outputs. Yeah. Yep. It's just, it's, it's crazy to think of because all of them should be horrific amounts of radiation. Right. And realistically, like to us, it is or like it, the, it's different situations. It, it's, it is horrific. And it's weird to see, like you said, it's weird to see the different variations of uh, affliction that happen. Yeah, and like Hiroshima, it only took two years before they could get everything back up. That's that's and that's crazy. I, it's different level of uh, going critical, I guess. I don't yeah. know. A hundred and forty thousand people were estimated to have been killed in that bomb. Well, that's also a different type of yeah. Like you, okay, yeah. I think I spaced out at some point. I was just there. Th- <laughs> <laughs> I was sitting, I was still sitting there thinking of a uh, uh, nuclear powered plant as opposed to um, oh yeah yeah a, dro- a bomb dropping is basically what I'm saying. I gotcha. But yeah, different. Still, it still stands. You know, the different levels of affliction that you you said uh, on the land and the people, as opposed to like between the two. Um, and you said two, two and a half years. Uh, two years to moving back two, in. Yeah. Two, okay, two years. Two years to move back in. Chernobyl is still not livable. Yeah. There are locations or spots throughout Chernobyl that are uh, low enough radiation where they they will like be able to walk in there and everything. But it is still a danger. It depends on which way the wind, you know, shifts basically. Right. So yeah, you're right. I mean, that's insane. Um, Difference is in the burst. The, yep. Yep. And we had a discussion about that with uh, Mars too, didn't we? Yeah. The hypothesis being that um, due to the, presence of a specific um um, isotope there's a very there's a very specific isotope that occurs um after nuclear detonation supposedly because i'm not a scientist and i haven't actually seen the isotope uh but supposedly um the levels of that isotope over the uh, in, in the atmosphere of Mars, right, 
are so high and the, there are concentrations at both poles that it would suggest mass like dozens of airburst detonations of nuclear weaponry over the poles of the planet which if you we airburst detonated one or two over each pole most of our planet would be flooded so i also kind of find that funny or not funny but uh interesting um because when we talk about like nuclear bursts like that we think big boom explosion or anything yeah but because we're thinking if it if it hit the ground it would cause a crater um as I've I've also started reading uh, little finds where people are saying if it, even if it burst in the air, so it, like destroyed the atmosphere, there would still be brushback from a certain location from the explosion still having that shock wave, right? Right. So, what if it wasn't just that big? What if it was exactly like you said, multiple mini bursts through or like around the area, right. so that there's within the atmosphere, like yeah, that's. To me, that's interesting because that would be also more advanced weaponry. Which, and then we, you know, and then, but there are theories that like we either were developed on this planet by manipulating the genetic material <clears throat> that was already here, i.e., monkeys. Um, there are speculations that. Uh, transpermia is a thing where our genetic the the space dust that makes us what we are essentially was hurled here purposefully or accidentally on an asteroid or something of that nature and mixed with the uh, primordial soup that was already here and that's what kickstarted everything and there's the whole well maybe we're a prison planet or maybe uh, we lived on another planet. We destroyed our planet. And the only people that were able to successfully get to Earth were the people that didn't know how any of the technology worked. So after like two, three generations, we were back in the Stone Age. Oh, see, we, you and I talked about that theory too. Yeah. I mean, it, we, like, uh, what, what I think what I had said was, uh, they weren't able to grab all the information. They just grabbed what they could and jetted. Yeah. Right. So they don't have all the cool advanced stuff, but then there's going to be some advanced stuff because look at the Egyptians. Right. Yeah. So the Egyptians had that like advanced surgical techniques. They had ideas as to how to take care of the human body before we did. Yeah. That, I mean, they had a technique for uh, curing cataracts. It was basically a needle with a um, a straw on the other end of it, and they would just suck the cataracts out of your eyeball. Yep, just eat it up. Which is gross as fuck to think about, but I mean, it fucking worked. Not delicioso. It's a it's a delicacy. It's an Egyptian delicacy. So I just posted uh, like the airburst, right? Mm-hmm. So. Um, at the height of the blast was 1.1 miles in the air 
And then oh. you can see miles along the bottom and how much damage it would do. Yeah. So a mile in the air at eight miles, you would have fires and light damage to commercial buildings, but that's about it. And then it's basically, you have like a good, you have about a three mile kill radius and then a five mile, anything from three to five miles is a lot of damage, massive amounts of fires. And then anything past that, it starts to get much, much uh, less severe. Yeah. I was going to say, you want to be at least out past that eight mile mark. Whereas if I can pull this up, I don't know if it's going to let me save this as an image. Effects of airburst. Well, I didn't do a whole lot of research on this one. While you're doing that, uh, there's uh, another cursed location called uh, Chateau de Monseigneur okay. in southern France. <clears throat> um, let me see if I can save this image right here. Uh, yeah, I can. Bless you. Ouch. Thank you. God bless you, sir. I have some more. And also with you. What, um... what now? Christian thing you wouldn't understand. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, Chateau de Monseigneur in southern France. This remote castle at the top of a steep cliff is also known by locals as Satan's synagogue. In the 12th oh. century, the castle became the seat of the Cathars. Uh, Christians adored, then declared heretics by the Catholic Church. The Pope turned to France for help in driving out the sect members. After a 10-month siege of the castle, which may have once held the Holy Grail, 200 Cathars died in a bonfire, but not before cursing the place. And uh, I brought this one up specifically out of the one, other ones that I chose as you know honorable mention, so to speak, because you brought up the Holy Grail before. And that's why right. I started talking about how it moved around, because uh, this was one of the locations that they thought the Holy Grail was at. And such a odd place. I'd like to go actually see that castle. Tief, will you go to the castle with me? Oh, the these old castles are always so interesting. And uh, the, the way that castle is perched up on that steep hill like that is so... I don't know. It makes it even more interesting to me. Like how far down into the mountain does that go? All the way down. All the way. I can't I can't zoom up on this. Oh, you just showing me more blast radius stuff? Yeah, so for a ground burst, like so air burst, you have the light damage line is at five and a half miles. The light damage line on a ground burst is uh between seven to nine miles. Oh, okay. So Ground bursts are much, much worse. And if you look at the absolute destruction line is about two miles on an air burst, whereas the total destruction goes all the way out to three miles on a ground debt. I mean, it's only like a, a mile worse ground detonation. A mile is pretty decent distance, though. Yeah, but I mean, like... We 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 said off of the first sheet, the air detonation. We want to be outside that eight mile radius. And it's also so, worth noting that 
Um, the first one is with 500 kilotons. The second one is with five megatons. Okay, so I mean that that pops on an extra mile. So we just want to make sure we're still outside that eight mile radius, though, because if you look at that, and outside the eight miles, we're still getting light damage, but we'll still be able to survive that while we still escape. Right. So outside the eight mile radius is still where we want to be. How did we get here? So one megaton is a thousand kilotons. So I don't, I'm not sure how much different those two bursts are, but anyway. You know what? Speaking of this, another cursed location is uh, Zapadnaya, Zapadnaya, Lista in Russia. The Atlas of Cursed Places lists this naval town as the antechamber to hell. When the Soviet Union collapsed, Zapadnaya Lista, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that very wrong, was abandoned along with nuclear submarines. The rusting vessels line the fjords and carry radioactive fuel 30 times more powerful than the Chernobyl reactor. The town mm. has empty shells of buildings and only a few residents remain. There are still people living there, but the, all these like submarines there are just hanging out in the fjords, rusting away when they have all this radioactive fuel inside them, stronger than the Chernobyl reactor. Hmm. So one place that is um, no, yeah. no, no doubt in my mind, uh, at the very least, is just haunted. Um, That's the location right there. Sorry, I spilled something on myself. From the water. Is it a spider? Is it a couple Stop spiders it. that you spilled on yourself? Um, what the fuck? Is that a spider coming down in front of you? No. Shut up. Oh, it's behind you. Oh, I hate you. Um, is uh, it's it's absolutely haunted. I I have no doubt in my mind, but with the amount of negative energies pumped into that place and the amount of souls that have trans transferred over in this space, I also have no doubt in my mind that it's fucking cursed. But it is Corvin Castle in Romania. It is a region of in a region of Transylvania in central Romania. Uh, it is it was once ruled by Vlad the Impaler himself, the real life bloodthirsty tyrant who inspired the legends of Draculia. Uh, once inside Corvin Castle, Vlad the Impaler was also held as a prisoner because the uh, military and government he fought for, as well as the people that trained him in the art of torture, didn't approve of his methods and thought that it would bring uh, undue attention to the order and to the government. So they, after he had done all the deeds they wanted him to do in the first place, they actually locked him in the tower and he is said to have gone mad up there and was impaling rats on little sticks that he could find around his room. Oh, wow. Uh, there have been a number of uh, paranormal groups, as well as I think Ghost Hunters International even went there. Um, 
but a lot of uh, paranormal troops have gone through there. And one of the more interesting pieces of evidence that I've seen from those was the fact that no one's allowed to touch shit in there for obvious reasons. Um, and they have multiple sets of full armor, like you would typically see on display. Um, that are some are recreations, some are original pieces, but you're not allowed to touch any of them, obviously. And they were under strict observation the entire time. They were going around with thermal imaging cameras and everything was, you know, room temp for the most part. They picked up an EVP, but it was hard to make out what it was. But it was definitely nobody else that was like, they, everybody else had designated channels and everything. They were able to rule their cast out. Uh, they ran back into one of the central rooms, went around with thermals again, and one of the suits of armor uh, had shifted on its pedestal a little bit, and the entire thing was red hot, like somebody was standing in it. Oh, I was like, that's ah, like for because like the the travel channel essentially could have been uh, sued for hundreds of thousands of dollars for them touching that shit. So it's, it's very unlikely that they would have allowed them to do that as a stunt for a show that was already losing popularity. Like, yeah, right. (laughs) That one kind of made me like, but uh, Vlad, the impaler himself, um, Pulling up uh, is said to have is estimated to have killed about 80,000 people uh, through various means. Uh, but Vlad the Impaler gave them multiple victories over the invading Ottomans. Um, he I, I hate it when those leg rusters get moving. <laughs> uh, his victories were celebrated through Wallachia, Transylvania, and the rest of Europe. Even Pope Pius II was impressed. But he was earning a much darker uh, reputation, as we said. He reportedly even dined among a veritable forest of defeated warriors writhing on the poles he impaled them on. And it is even rumored, though not known if it was true, if uh, that he used to put a goblet under one of the um, poles that an uh, enemy soldier was impaled on, fill his goblet with their blood and dip his bread in it as he sat there among the dead. But it is a hundred percent verified that he would eat his dinner among the forest of the dead, as he called it. Uh, In total, he's estimated to kill 80,000 people. Uh, That includes 20,000 people who were impaled and put on display outside the city of Turgoviste. The site was so repulsive that the invading Ottoman Sultan, Mehmed II, after seeing the scale of Vlad's carnage and the thousands of decaying bodies being picked apart by crows, turned back and retreated to Constantinople. It's a pretty interesting castle. But uh, he was a sick dude. 
Vlad is Vlad. Well, that always makes me think of uh, Elizabeth Bathory too. Yeah, she was pretty nuts. I don't know if you know everything that she did. Uh, wasn't she the one that she would bathe in the blood of um, her servants and slaves? I mean, that was just like the tip of the iceberg. The torture that she put her servants through is insane, man. Um, she used to, if a servant pissed her off, she would have <clears throat> them stripped down. Depending on what time of time of year it is, so summertime. She had a court. She has a courtyard in her uh, castle, right? So during the summertime, the hot times of the the year. She would have them covered in honey and then go lay down out in the courtyard and just let the bugs have at them. And during the winter months, the colder months, um, if the if a servant pissed her pissed her off, she would have them covered in water and then go lay down out in the courtyard. She, I mean, the, 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 again, just like tips of the iceberg. She was a very cruel human being. Um, she, she did bathe in the blood of them, of them too, is what the, the thing is. Is like, that was why, uh, she was one of the ones that people thought was a vampire, so to speak, too, because of the things she did with blood. It's kind of like Vlad. Right. She was another one that interested me after I started picking up on uh, things that she did. I I started wanting to learn more. And she, uh, let me see if I can. Yeah, there it is. She's a Hungarian serial killer. Why is it like a lot of the really, really old ones come all come from like Hungary, Transylvania, Romania? Like so many come from that area. She's a countess. I I don't know. I'm not gonna make any comment on that. It's just surprising, that's all. <laughs> like the and it seems to be like a concentration that's repeatable throughout history. Like we had that concentration back in this era, right? And then we have uh fascist tyrants being um, concentrated in Europe. We had one in Italy. We had one in Germany. We had several in Russia. Like they're all in that little area. You know what I mean? And then the uh, rise of the American serial killer. We've had a ton of them since the forties. Like it's weird how that kind of stuff, like just, stays in concentrated areas but migrates around the world so she had up to 650 alleged victims Oof. of her and four of her servants uh were accused of torturing and killing hundreds of girls and women between 1590 and 1610 her servants were put on trial and convicted whereas Bathory was confined to her home she was imprisoned within castle of Kasetched? I don't know how to pronounce that. If that's not some white privileged rich people bullshit. <laughs> but they're, they were all alleged. They were all yeah. alleged. 
Meaning, we know you done did what you done did, but go go stay in your home, princess. Because you had yeah, the right you know, complexion. That... Let's see. Day, appreh- day apprehended, the 30th of December in 1610. You know, uh, I would wonder how... I'd wonder what kind of if anything, any sort of like paranormal events happen at that particular castle. Oh, I'm sure. You don't cause that amount of suffering and souls to the shuffle off this mortal coil without well, leaving a stain, man. So here's the thing is like, yeah, all those, all those people, all those girls and women have had died, were killed um, by Bathory on the grounds but if Bathory was confined till death in the same area, who's to say that Bathory isn't still controlling those souls, those those, those spirits? What is she, so, Shang Tsung? I'm I'm being serious. Um, <laughs> having because of how strong uh, she actually is, as was as a human, as a the way she treated others right. and her personality and everything after passing and becoming this, uh, this unworldly creature because of how she was to others. Like what, what kind of hold does he, she have on the land itself aside from the others, you know, spirits that are actually still stuck there if they are stuck there. Right. And it feels very movieish by saying something like that, but it makes me really curious. It would be the same thing with Vlad as to how much like control he has over how much of that land, the castle. Like. Right. Well, I mean, there is something to that in like every culture, and there have been multiple, um, even serial killers who have believed that um, every time they killed somebody in their specific modus operandi or uh ritual or you know however they saw it um that they gained control over that soul in the next realm right so i mean it does uh have like a a tie to lore and uh, mythos so it's possible Horrific to think about because I mean, fucking Vladdy Daddy over there's got eight hundred thousand, right? And but I mean, at the same time, I mean, he was basically you know causing battles and wars and shit. So right, yeah. So and and then Bathory here, she was just she was just doing that shit for funs and giggles. Yeah. That's I I can't even fathom like how people do that shit, man. Those I'm I'm certain those have to be cursed lands, man. Oh, for those sure. Would, those would be no man's lands, basically. You live, you you decide to go live there, you purchase a house, you build a house, you're you're gonna fuck yourself so bad. Yeah, you're almost just giving a big middle finger to all those unfortunate souls yeah oh yeah 
So I have one, but I think we should kind of tag team it as the final one. Um, because I know we're getting close because I think you said a time, but I think you meant your time zone, not mine. Right. Um, right. Okay. So we are getting a little close to that. And I know it's one that you wanted to talk about. Um, and that is the Island of dolls in Mexico. Uh, oh. so this, yeah, God, I, I Go figured we tag team it since it's the last one instead of going back and forth on, on two more. Because I think we, you'll have, we'll, we'll have plenty of information on it. Uh, so the tiny island of Lake, I'm gonna butcher this. Zochimilco, uh, Zochimilco uh, in Mexico City is believed to be one of the most haunted sites in Mexico. Dozens of plastic dolls dangle from the branches of the island's trees, staring vacantly into the distance. You got anything queued up on this one? No. Oh, I was I'm trying to go back right and now. forth with you. <clears throat> uh, many are discolored and weathered, and some have their heads or limbs missing. There is a Don Julian Santana who lived there as a hermit on the island for more than 50 years. And yeah, not necessarily of sound mind. Yeah. Began collecting the dolls to ward off evil spirits after he found the body of a drowned little girl in the lake. Uh, following his death in 2001, the island became a tourist attraction with some visitors claiming to have seen the dolls open their eyes or talk. I'm still reading about the guy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was drowned in the same canal as the girl was uh, that had died. Yeah, that's not a fucking coincidence or nothing. Yep, yep. Don Don Julian Santana Barrera passed away. His body was discovered, you guessed it, drowned in the canal in the exact place he always said he'd seen the little girl. Every, uh, tourists were flocking to the island to pay tribute by hanging a doll on all of their own there. I don't know if you've actually seen like images and like video of like people going there. Yeah. I've those seen dolls are so ratty and disgusting. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I heard a rumor. I don't know how true it is that many of the dolls that he got were like, he pulled them out of the water. Like they floated up to the Island. Uh, yeah. For the next 50 years, he would scrounge dolls from the trash and from the canals. Yeah. Hang them from the island's many trees. Some he'd hang whole, others in various states of disrepair, headless, torsoless, or taken apart in other ways. Like, why? What, like, what, like, what in the world, like, po- like, drove him to do this after finding one, one little girl drowned in the, the canal? <clears throat> Yeah. That and that island is absolutely covered. Like there's not a limb that does not have a doll on it, I would assume. Like this just and there's there's pictures of Barbie dolls, there's pictures of like the porcelain dolls, there's pictures of the regular like mm-hmm. dolls that we would have got our kids. Well, I I always forget that I'm like 6 7 years older than you. Like what what I got my daughter was 
like these softer body dolls with a plastic head. Yeah. And the plastic hands, but like the soft arms, the yeah, I know plastic what you're feet. About. Yeah, you, you know those ones on. It looks like there's some cutesy dolls there, the ones you get from like the fair games. I there's the like same one that was on Toy Story One that he pulled all the hair out of. Yeah. And there's reassembled dolls too. There's ones where he like basically Frankenstein them together. It he's I would say I don't I don't know, man. Yeah, and I've got uh according to legend, the a young girl uh that Santana found, he claimed to have heard the girl crying out, I want my doll. Um, and afterwards he was so terrified. He hung up the doll he found near the girl's body. After the event, every time he went outside, he claims to have found a new doll hanging from one of the trees. He later died in the same spot. The girl drowned. Many believe that the death was caused by the girl's spirit, which still haunts the Island. So not only did he find dolls and hang them up, but he claims that every time he went outside, one was a new one was already hanging up. Uh, let's see. In 1987, an ecotourist rescue was made, and the island was found covered with water lilies. After the death of Santana, it became a tourist attraction. Uh, gained fame in 1943 when a Mexican filmmaker. Uh, filmed a film there. Da, 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 da. The dolls on the mm-hmm. island are uh, are still on the island, accessible by boat. Uh, Ghost Adventures has been there. The Amazon show Lore uh, and BuzzFeed Unsolved covered the island as well. Oh, I like Lore. Lore is a pretty good series. Yeah, it started off as a podcast, actually. Yeah, that's where actually I... I listened to it first when it first showed up as a podcast yeah. and then it became a show on Amazon. And I, I think I watched one episode of it, but then like, I just stayed with the podcast cause that's where I listened to it. Right. Uh, let's see. Da-da-da-da. Some witnesses claim they had heard the dolls whispering to each other. That's fucking creepy. While others who were on a boat near the island said the dolls lured them to come down to the island. In addition to hundreds of dolls, the island also contains a small museum with articles from local newspapers, both about the island and the previous owner. There's a store and three rooms, one of which seems to have been used as a bedroom. In this room, you can see the first doll that Satana collected, as well as August August Danita, his favorite doll. Some of the visitors place offerings around the dolls in exchange for miracles and blessings. And some and even others change their clothes and maintain as a form of worship. Wow. This is the story of a girl. Um, Cried in the river and drowned the whole world. Where'd it go? What happens when I don't custom name the fucking file? (sighs) Many people on the island believe that Julian has joined the other spirits of the island. There it is. 
here's one of this is the picture of his oldest doll. I'm not sure which one it is. Probably that creepy one in the middle. Oh, uh, it's the it's the one on the right, like right on the frame, I think. Yeah. The one that kind of looks like Annabelle. Or, you know what? You might be right. No, no, it'd be that one. I, if they were trying to take a picture of the one like on the left side, just above the frame. Oh, I gotcha. It's like obscured. Why would they use that photo? Yeah, because it makes it look like the other, the one on the right hand side is the focus. Right. And the, I don't like about that doll that's on the left side, just above the frame, is that his feet are bound up. Yeah. That's, that's off putting. The whole fucking island is off putting, man. I think it's interesting. I mean, it's interesting, but, but I don't know if I, I mean, ever want to fucking go. Honestly, like, I mean, I'm, I'm interested by this shit incredibly. Where I'd, I'd want to go and check it out and be a part of it, but I, I don't know. I'm like I said before, I'm kind of messed up in the head. I mean, aren't we all? I don't know. You seem pretty sensible. Who lied to you? That's uh, the way you portray yourself to me. <laughs> Just looking up what, if anything, the uh, ghost adventure guys found on uh, the island oh, of dolls. No. You don't believe in Zach? I don't. I don't like Zach. Come on, meow. He's such a, such a bullshitter. He's Zach Baggins, man. The only reason why I liked it when he was like discussing and interviewing like any of the Hell House and Gary was that it was all original owners. It was all original witnesses. And that's that's what pulled me in, not Zach. I hate when Zach like goes into these haunted places and like reacts the way he reacts because yeah. it's way overly done on like it's obviously done for public publicity. Yeah. And that's what drives me crazy because he's like, oh, whoa, what was that? Let's go look. Da, 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 da. It's like, come on, man. <laughs> come on. So supposedly, according to the wiki of the episode, Zach Baggins or Baggins, whoever you say his name, uh, decided to bring a haunted doll as a trigger to provoke a response from the dolls on the island. Uh, did he get one? Yeah, he apparently brought Harold the doll. And for background on Harold, he's wait, a, he didn't bring like actual Harold, did he? Apparently, he did. Uh, the most haunt, one of the most haunted dolls in the world. Uh, he's right up there with Annabelle and was the inspiration for Chucky from Child's Play. He couldn't have. Isn't Harold locked up in uh, what's it, uh, the the museum with uh, Annabelle in the same place? Uh, who are they? I can't think of their names. The uh, Warrens. The Warrens. Yes. Isn't isn't Harold locked up in that museum? Uh, Robert the doll is. 
and Annabelle. Oh, Robert, Robert. But Harold, uh, I don't know if it's going to let me save this picture either. Let me uh, snip it quick. Talk about cursed locations, cursed dolls, man. Annabelle, Harold, Robert. Yeah, dude, some of these, uh, some of them are just so fucking bizarre. Like, how the fuck? Um, like, while I'm trying to get this up, uh, there is a, they do tours of the Warrens, uh, like haunted objects and stuff. And they always have, uh, Annabelle all sealed up, obviously. And they, it says on it, like all over the place. Don't touch, don't touch, don't touch. This guy was like knocking on the, the case and he's like, yeah, what you going to do? What you going to do? Trying to antagonize it. Uh, the picture I posted in information is Harold, the doll, uh, supposedly Annabelle fell forward and like her head hit the glass and he was making fun of her. And, uh, but everybody else was like, it moved so far. It couldn't have just been it slipping from him, like tapping on the glass. Uh And, uh, Ms. Warren was there and she was like, you need to apologize to Annabelle and say three Hail Marys before you leave. And he refused to do it. Um, and supposedly when he walked outside, he got hit by a car. Yeah. Uh, there's been multiple cases of situations like that. That's why you respect the shit, man. (laughs) Yeah. If if people who go, yeah, I'm a certified, you know, uh, demonologist says this doll's haunted. Don't touch it. They might be full of shit, but I ain't going to test them on it. (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna be like okay yeah sure you're a demonologist and sure that thing's haunted and yep i'm not touching it i mean given the amount of cases that the warrants have done given the amount of experience that the warrants have survived and you know made it through Mm -hmm. i'm gonna give them the credit i'm gonna give them the credit that's due man yeah i mean why wouldn't you? And, and a little background. I'm trying to look up some background on Harold. Um, so the story is um, when he got hot in the valley, Thomas and Alfred drove their cows up to a cool part of the valley. And then at night, they'd go back to their tiny hut. Uh, one day, Thomas had an idea that changed everything. He said, let's make a, a doll the size of a man. It'll be fun to make. We can put it in the garden. It'll scare the birds. Uh, His friend Alfred said, oh, it should look like Harold, which was a farmer that neither one of them liked. Uh, So they gave it a pointy nose like Harold, tiny eyes like his, added dark hair, stuff like that. Um, Oh, this is like a folk fucking tale. This isn't even the real Harold. I was like, this doesn't seem right. How the fuck do you find out more? from? Here we go. It is supposedly a possessed doll that is located in uh, Zachimilco, Mexico. Um, so it's actually it's uh, it is on the island of dolls. So apparently they took it from its its place and moved it somewhere else uh, for the show to try and get uh, the other dolls to do whatever. Okay, so real quick, that is the stupidest thing. 
that Zach could have done. Because as far as everybody understood, mm-hmm. is that that Island of Dolls was an innocent tribute to both the man that found the wo- the little girl in drowned in the the canal, and the man that found the little girl drowned in the canal. You know, Julian. It was that island was a whole tribute to this little girl that drowned and was found, and Julian. And he's bringing this. Is it a violent haunted doll? That's what I'm trying to look up. So, um, supposedly Harold is now on the island of dolls. I don't know if that's because Zach brought it there or if it was always there. Um, but the doll supposedly uh, has impacted millions. It is on the island of dolls. It has marks on its left arm. And many people claim that when they interact with the doll, their left arms get marks on it. Um, oh, okay. Many paranormal teams have experimented with the doll and gotten profound evidence using the doll. Examples include other dolls that start laughing on the island. Uh, cats occasionally are claimed to fight on the island at night while investigators take place during the experience with the doll. Um, but I don't, I, I'm having a hard time finding like the actual history of Harold. Well, so, all right. So having trouble finding the history of Harold, the doll also makes me think that this is a Zach doll. Okay. Right. You know, one of those publicity things that he is known to do where he overacts or overreacts on something. Yeah, because I've heard of Robert the doll. I've heard of uh, Annabelle and Zach. I just found a picture. He actually posed with Robert the doll in the doll room. He posed with all the fucking haunted dolls. So the the Ugh. the biggest the biggest thing that I found with the Harold doll is exactly Zach Baggins and Ghost Adventures crew warned about Harold the doll. So I think either Harold the doll is something that Zach created and done, or Harold the doll is just a doll that they came across due to a viewer or a listener or a fan that said, look, I have a doll that's really haunted and that's what, that's where it came from. Right. And as far as like Zach thing to do, right? Right. And as far as like, Harold being something as big as say Annabelle or uh, Robert or it sounds like it, it sounds like it'd be something that's just, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. Right. I, I just don't like the, like you said, the way he reacts to things. He's like, I was, I, I could feel like I was being attacked and da, da, da. it's like, you can say whatever the fuck you want. We can't tell if you're being like, Nobody can right. see you being oppressed, so you can just claim you're being oppressed. Like, right? I, you know, I, I just don't like him. I've never liked Ghost Adventures. Uh, there was another one that I liked. I can't, re- I can't think of what it's called now. But the the actual lead guy to it, his name was Ryan. Um, I liked that series. Oh, but Paranormal I, State. Yeah, Paranormal State. Yeah, that's the one. I really liked that one. Um. What I didn't like is what happened with Ryan after like the series and shit like that. Cause he like, he claimed to have cancer or something like that and actually didn't have cancer. I didn't hear about that that one. Yeah. I, I, the, I was watching it for, I used to watch it all the time. And then, uh, there was some falling out with him in Penn state because he was bisexual and they found out about it. 
Um, and then um, I didn't hear much after after that because he was trying to uh, fund Penn Paranormal State on his own dime, but he couldn't use Paranormal State because it was tied to Penn State. They couldn't use that title, and then he kind of fell off the map. Oh, that's right. It was Penn State, wasn't it? Yeah, Ryan Bell or Bell, however you pronounce yeah. it. Yeah, yep, yep. Oh, he got arrested in 2016. That's what I'm looking at. No, 2017 it says here. On charges of simple assault and harassment of his boyfriend. In July 2017, after his releases from jail and rehabilitation, uh, Buell published a personal blog post in which he admitted he was a recovering drug addict and had recently been discharged from rehabilitation. His civil and criminal cases remain unresolved. Oh, yeah, 2016 too. Yeah, you're right. And that was this one is September 21st, 2016. Two felony charges related to theft and stolen property. So, yeah, I mean, aside from that stuff, like Paranormal State was the one I, I liked watching because mm-hmm. it wasn't all about Ryan during the show. It wasn't all about any of his crew or anything. It was about like the family or the person that was being haunted or being attacked or possessed or whatever the case was and like their experiences and trying to help them. That's what I liked about Paranormal State, whereas Zach Baggins and the Ghost Adventures, that whole show, it's all Zach. Yeah. I mean, the whole intro is Zach like walking, basically, if I remember right. Yeah, so from what I found, fans started getting annoyed with him because he was canceling tours, tour dates and he wasn't providing refunds. He was just taking, oh. the, taking the money. Ryan, um, you talking about? Yeah. Was that the theft? Okay. In 2014, Chip Coffee, who was the uh, medium for a lot of the shows, uh, was scheduled to be on the Conversations with the Dead tour with Ryan. He said thousands of dollars were at stake. At the time, Coffee said Bill and his, uh, or however you say his name, Buell, uh, and his team were in charge of all the details, but nothing ever came up booked. He was never told to show up anywhere. Um, but he said, I know that based on the last accounting I had with the gross ticket sales for the Conversations with the Dead tour, it was in excess of $80,000. Uh, in 2014, there was a bunch of cancel shows. Same with 2012. 2012 was when he claimed he had pancreatic cancer. In late 2013, he told People Magazine he was close to remission, ready to tour again, started selling tickets for 2014. None of the shows happened. Um, he moved back to Pennsylvania, advertising shows, trying to connect with people on Facebook. They com- uh, started getting complaints on Facebook that he was taking money but never showing up to deals. And then his own mother went onto Facebook and the PRS, uh, Paranormal Research Society's bureau page, and uh, stated, quote, please stop enabling his situation by sending money, buying tickets to events that may never occur, buying merchandise, phone calls you may never get, paying money to watch him on Twitch. And giving him offers of shelter, I am pleading with you out of the love for my son, and I'm frightened by what his situation has become, end quote. Uh, she also yeah. says that he's, quote, he's ill, he's ill, but not from cancer. His family knows the real story. 
You all need to stop believing his lies and stop enabling him, please. Ah, see. Sad. All right. You think we can uh, wrap this up? I have to actually use the bathroom. Yeah, I mean, we're just off on a tangent about a guy (laughs) named Ryan. Yeah, yeah, I know. (laughs) It's the life of Ryan. It is sad, too. I mean, he, he... if you go and watch like the old episodes of paranormal state, he just, he came off as such like a real human and, um, somebody that was just legitimately interested in the paranormal and the occult. And it was a good show. I mean, there were times, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, Isaiah, but there were times where like, they didn't find anything and that was okay. Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, it wasn't like ghost hunters and ghost adventures where, Every single episode, there was a a full bodied apparition choking somebody in a corner. Like, so yeah, that was one of the things that actually made me interested in Paranormal State. Um, was that they went in with an open mind, but also a mind to try and be uh, speculative about it, and they'd try and like per, like see what would be uh, like scientifically proven to cause this or that. As opposed to just, yep, that's a ghost. Yep, that you're being possessed. Yeah. Yep, this I, is, you know. I think one of them, he found like, they found like a gas leak or something like that. And they were like, yeah, that could be making everybody in here, including us, hallucinate. We need right. we need to get that fixed. And he paid, uh, he paid or Penn State paid for it to be fixed. And like the paranormal activity started dying down rapidly. So. But yeah, it was a good show. It's a it's a shame that it came to that. Absolutely. Well, I think that just about does it for us on this episode. We do hope that you've enjoyed the discussion. Please join us next week for another episode. But in the meantime, join us over on Twitch, Twitter, Discord, TikTok, and Hover. Um, Carl is a K R L B A N N S O N R, except. For for hover and youtube which is going and to be youtube tv in front of that yep yep and me uh twitter has an extra d at the beginning d d a r k w i c a h p i that extra d does not mean anything uh extra uh everything else is without the extra d <laughs> Uh, all of our previous episodes will be available on anchor.fm, Amazon prime music, Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Podvine, and Spotify. We do hope you join our community on Twitch and discord. If you follow myself and follow dark Wikipedia over on Twitter, you'll get the link to our discord server. So you can join in live like tiefling has been doing, uh, for, uh, the last two episodes, which we greatly appreciate you. Thank you for coming in uh, Tief. Uh, if you want to join us live and be inter- be uh, you know interacted with during the stri- during the broadcast or uh, be able to see the images that we're talking about, oh Jesus, you scared me. Good um, God, Charles, come on, quit stumbling. I need a pee. <laughs> uh, join us over on our Discord. <laughs> Thank you all for tuning in, and we look forward to having many more discussions in the future. We want to know what you want to hear, what you'd want to hear discussed. Uh, And as always, we appreciate you. Uh, You are worthy and you are valid. Don't forget that. And until next time, Skull.
Good night, everybody. Thank mm-hmm. you.